Years ago, there was an academic journal that actually put out a study, and they put out the findings of this study. And they were studying the uh, history of mankind and peace in the world. The personal journal reported this incredible statistic. Now, mind you, it was years ago because a study like this is, is very intense and I'm sure took many, many months, maybe even many years. They reported this incredible statistic. Since the beginning of the recorded history, the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace for less than 8% of the time. Less than 8% of the time, we as humanity have lived in peace. I want you to think about that for a moment. Less than 8% of the time, humanity has lived in peace. Meaning that for the rest of the time, we've lived in wars, and we've lived in conflict, and we've lived in division, and we've lived in strife. They found out that of the period of 3,530 years, only 286 of recorded history, only 286 of those years saw peace. Moreover, they found out that during that same period of time, there were in excess of over 8,000 peace treaties that had been signed in that same time period. All of them had been broken. Every single one of them in some form or fashion has been broken. And yet our world is consumed with the pursuit of peace, isn't it? We're consumed with the pursuit of peace. A candidate runs for office, and if their platform doesn't include how they're going to bring peace into the world, they're setting themselves up for failure. A Miss America contestant is interviewed, and in the interview process, what do they normally say? I want world peace. It's almost like that answer that they feel like they have to give because that's what the world is looking for. Even corporations get in on the pursuit of peace and how much we as consumers want it, and they sell us on this idea that by buying their product or participating in their service, that we somehow are going to participate in the world becoming a more peaceful place. Yet 8% of our time in humanity has been lived in peace. I think it's safe to say that peace, the way that we understand it, is elusive. It's hard to come by. It's something that is extraordinarily difficult to find. And when we do find that type of peace that we think of, at some point in time, whatever it is that was the basis of that peace is going to fall apart and it's going to go away. And so we're consumed with this idea, this ideal, this um, hope and value of peace. The world that we spoke of last week that Jesus entered was a world in massive conflict. If you weren't with us last week, I want to encourage you to go back and um, uh, participate in that message. Um, we talked about all the different things that existed that were divisions in the world. And it's really interesting, that conflict that we talked about last week that occurred between the Old Testament and the New Testament um, largely focused on what essentially became a longstanding war between uh, Rome and Persia, right? So that conflict itself was one of the longest 
conflicts in all of human history, the second longest conflict in all of human history. Get this, it lasted, the conflict between Persia and Rome existed for 681 years. 681 years. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if we as a country went to war and we're like, well, this is going to be a while, and it was 681 years long? We wouldn't even know what to do. Some of the armed conflicts that existed during that time, including the conflict between Rome and Persia, existed. It began in the years just leading up to Jesus' birth. So in most cases, in many of those wars and conflicts during that time of, the, uh, of our history, uh, existed for hundreds of years. Most of this existed after Jesus came into the world. And the Bible tells us that he's supposed to bring peace. We just sang about it, right? Peace is elusive. It's extraordinarily hard to find. If we fast forward to today, right now, today, there are 70 recognized armed conflicts between people, groups, or nations. 70, over 70 recognized armed conflicts in the world today. Merry Christmas, everyone. Aren't you glad you came to church? Aren't you glad you're watching at home online? So encouraging, right? We've got conflict in the world. We have conflict in our politics. I don't even have to talk about that. You guys saw that played out in, in a great, great contrast. But it enters our world, and then it divides families. There are community conflicts that exist. There are small communities that are torn apart because of differences of opinions and conflicts. There are family conflicts. The divorce rate from 1960 to today skyrocketed skyrocketed from 1960 on and it's actually dropped over the last 10 years but experts believe that the only reason that it's dropped is more people are cohabitating and choosing not to get married our world is in massive massive conflict and in this series we're taking a look at the arrival of the messiah in fact, that's what you're supposed to do during Advent. You're supposed to be taking a look behind you, behind us in history to see the, the arrival of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus as a baby. That's what Christmas is all about. But Advent also includes a look forward at the coming of Jesus. And when we do, we focus on four words. We focus on hope, which we did last week. We focus on love and joy, which we'll do in the next two weeks. And today, we're focusing on this word peace because let's be real for a second the bible tells us that jesus was supposed to bring peace jesus already came and there's conflict everywhere so what in the world is going on well let's take a look today if you have your bibles I'm going to be honest, we're going to be all over the place, all right? So just hang on. I want to thank you guys so much for being here in the house. Those of you who are here today, thank you so much for being here. For those of you who are joining in at home or online somewhere, thank you guys uh, for being a part, for joining us live. In fact, why don't we give it up for them this morning? Let's give them a little shout out. Thank you guys for joining us in these unusual times online. The Bible tells us that Jesus' coming, his arrival, was supposed to usher in peace. Isaiah the prophet talked about it hundreds of years before Jesus came. Isaiah 9, chapter 9, verse 6. Very familiar verse. Some of you may even know it by heart. For unto us is born. 
To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called, some of you know it because you, like, you, know, you listen to the Messiah, you listen to Handel's Messiah, some of you are singing it right now, I know. Wonderful counselor, don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. Mighty God, everlasting Father, and I want you to say that last one with me, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah told us, he foretold us that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace means someone who's going to usher in peace. And at the outset, Luke in chapter 2 that we looked at last week when those angels are, are summoning the, the shepherds who are out in the fields, it talks about this peace. Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth. What's that next word? Peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so that fulfilled the aspect of Isaiah's prophecy in word. It fulfilled it. In word, it fulfilled it, but did it fulfill it indeed? You see, the Bible promises us that peace arrives when Jesus arrives. The Bible promises us that peace arrives when Jesus arrives. But I wonder if maybe we don't understand the type of peace that Isaiah was talking about. I wonder if we don't quite understand the type of peace that the angels were talking about when they called him the Prince of Peace, or, the, or Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace, and the, and the uh, angels proclaimed about. See, the problem is, is if Jesus already came, and Jesus was the one who was, that we, was foretold that would bring in peace, why in the world have we sensed Jesus, for most of the time of recorded history of wars and peace and humanity, why have we only had 8% of our time that we've seen in peace? I think it's because we may have a misunderstanding of the peace that Jesus intended to bring. See, Jesus himself didn't promise peace when he was here on this earth. In his 33 years, in his three-year ministry, his 30 years in his three-year ministry, he didn't tell us that he was going to bring peace. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he said just the opposite. He said in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 36, he says this, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. He says, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. He says, I've come to bring a sword? For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And some of you are saying, Jesus, we didn't need you to do that. We already got that. Verse 36, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. So Jesus tells us that he himself, his job wasn't to bring peace. And what Jesus is talking about here, and our idea of peace is the problem. We have this idea of peace. This is our first idea of peace that we have, that it is a relationship with full harmony. Our idea of peace, the kind of world peace that we think of when we think of peace, I'm going to call it harmony for a moment, because we want harmony to exist in every relationship, right? We want it to exist in our homes. We want it to exist in our communities. We want it to exist 
in our churches, and we want peace, harmony to exist among the nations. We strive, and we talk a lot about trying to lower the amount of wars to trying to insert peace into the midst of conflict so that we can lower that number of 70 recognized wars. Our version of harmony or peace is, is that there's harmony among nations and peoples, that there's an absence of disagreements in households, that kids share the slide when they're on the playground. That's our view of peace and of harmony. We're looking for harmony, but harmony in this world is impossible. Jesus understood this. And that's why he told us that it's not his job to bring the type of peace that we're thinking of. In fact, he brings a sword. How many families do you know of have been divided over an issue of faith? How many homes can you think of right now who maybe there was a wayward son or daughter and there was massive division? because of that wayward son or daughter, or perhaps you're the one who came to faith in Christ and you're the only one in your family and you coming to faith in Christ caused great division. There are people around the world in other countries that have come to faith in Jesus and they've had to walk away from their homes never to see their families again. And so when Jesus says, I come not to bring peace, but I come with a sword, that's what he's talking about. He is pushing us into the reality that we need to understand that because of Jesus, there is going to be division. That at some point in time, someone is going to have to make a stand for him. And that may cause division. Paul echoes this same idea in Romans chapter 3, verse 17, when he says, the way of peace they have not known. The way of peace we have not known. But church, here's what I want you to understand. That we can resolve this conflict that we see when we look back at Jesus' birth and look forward to his coming in a couple different ways. The first way is understanding why peace can't exist in this world. You see, when Adam and Eve took a bite from that apple, when they did the one thing that God told them not to do, when they made that decision and sin entered the world, at that moment when sin entered this world, peace could never have existed, the kind of peace that we understand and that we know and that we desire. Harmony among mankind cannot exist because of the presence of sin in the world. But, and here's where we turn the tone of this message. There is a peace that Jesus brought into this world that only he could bring, and he brought it in his first coming. And he'll bring a different type of peace in his second coming. We'll talk about that in a moment. But in our world, Void of peace, we can find peace with God. We can find, maybe not harmony with our, our fellow man, but we can find a peace with God that brings calm in the depths of our soul. It's an inner 
God breathed peace that Jesus and Jesus alone could bring. Peace among humanity is difficult to find in our broken world, but we can find inner peace while living in this broken world. Jesus said that we can have peace with God. In John 16, 33, a passage that I've referenced quite often, he says, I have said these things to you, he's talking to his disciples, that in me you may have peace. Jesus here is talking about a different kind of peace than he was talking about before. He says, in the world, in the world you will have tribulation. That's just a big word for trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And it's that little phrase right there, take heart, that is the kind of peace that Jesus gives us. It's an inner peace with God that exists only because that relationship with God was restored because of what Jesus came to do. And we can have inner peace with God. We can have peace in the depths of our soul with him, even though we live in a world void of peace. Paul speaks of this in Romans chapter 5, verse 10. He says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, that's Jesus, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. See, when Isaiah talked about the peace that Jesus would bring, he was talking about both kinds of peace. When the prophets of old said that this one who was to be the Messiah would bring in peace, that he would be the prince of peace, they were talking about both. But until Jesus comes Again, his second coming, we will not have harmony among mankind, that kind of peace. But church, I want you to hear that we can have a peace within, even though we have that wayward child. Even though there is strife in our homes, even though we see the political divide in our world, in this country and in other worlds, even though there are 70 recognized conflicts around the world, we can, in the midst of all the difficulty and trouble of the world, we can have peace within because of what Jesus did. We can have peace with God, that peace that only can come from him. But we also can look forward to his second arrival, and there's a very clear indication that in Jesus' second coming one day, when he comes back to this world, there will be peace it's not going to happen right away. It's going to take a long time, but there will be peace. There'll be peace initially when he returns one day. This is, this is something that is much debated in the church, and the timing of it is debated. To be quite honest, on all of these things, I fall back onto Jesus' instructions that we're not to know the day or the hour of his second coming, his return again one day. But we can know what it's going to be like. We do get an indication of what it might look like. And in 1 Thessalonians this letter that Paul, inspired by God's Holy Spirit, writes to the church in Thessalonica, verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. He says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That means those who have put their faith in Jesus who have already died. Physical death. And then he goes on and he says, Then we who are alive who are left, 
we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will also be with the Lord. Now, I happen to believe that this will happen before the Great Tribulation. And that's much debated in the church, and I'm not going to get into the details of that. And Even in the church world, we can have disagreements on the timing of that and still come to peace on the fact that Jesus one day will return, and he will take us with him. And being with him, church, I want you to hear this. If you're not a Christ follower yet, I want you to hear this, that being with him is the ultimate form of peace. It is the ultimate form of peace itself. And so just by the very nature of us being with Jesus, we will know peace. We will understand peace. But there's also a peace coming that he's going to bring in the end. Because the Bible says that upon his second coming, it kicks off a lot of different events. There's a lot of things that are going to happen in the future. There's going to be a period of tribulation. There's going to be a period where he will reign for a thousand years. And then after that, he will set up for once and for all his kingdom here on this earth. And, and, uh, and Revelation 21, 4 and 5 says this. He will, this is John, by the way, writing, inspired by God's Holy Spirit. He will wipe away, listen to this, listen to these words. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. If you've ever had a loved one die, you can't wait for that day. Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, there is coming a day in the future when Jesus returns that all, all the things that have caused division in the world, all the things that have caused the chaos, all the things that have caused us to only have 8% of human history and peace will be no more. The conflict that we have with each other, it'll all be gone. It'll all be gone. And we'll be with Jesus. So there's a day when peace, the kind of peace that we desire, the kind of peace that we call harmony is coming. See, lasting peace will arrive when Jesus arrives once again. Lasting peace will arrive when Jesus arrives once again. One day in the future, and that is something that we can hope for. That is something that we wait for. And that is something that we can know that we will have peace. But what do we do while we wait? That's the question we're asking in this series, The Arrival. What is our responsibility while we wait? As Christ followers, as the church, as humanity, what do we do while we wait for the return of Jesus? Well, I think the, the Apostle Paul says it in his letter he writes to the church in Colossae. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, he says this. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, he says, put on compassionate hearts. Kindness, 
humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving. Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on, he says, love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And then he adds this one little phrase right at the end, and I love that he adds this. It was kind of like, oh yeah, I forgot about one more thing. Here it is right here. And be thankful. I love that. And be thankful. I mean, there's no better recipe than right there for us to know what we are to do while we wait. Here's the problem, is that so many, I almost said most, and that would be incorrect, so many Christians, so many churches, so many Christ followers, they look at the world and they say there are 70 known armed conflicts. We've only had 8% of our time in human history that has been peaceful. I guess there's nothing we can do about it. We can throw up our hands and go, oh, well. Oh, well. Oh, well. Or we can stand up and we can fight for what we believe in, which there are there's a time, by the way, for both of those. We can fight. We can stand up. We can say, this is what we, we are to fight for. This is what we believe in. And we can let the world know what we stand for. And there is a time for that. I want you to hear that. There's a time for that. Before you send me the emails, I want you to hear that. There is a time for that. The whole breath of what we do while we wait is not about giving up. It's not about throwing up our hands and saying, well, he's going to return one day and it'll be peaceful. It's not only about fighting for what is right, but it is taking the posture of forgiveness and of love, the kind of love that God showed us. It is bearing with each other it is choosing to be kind and humble and meek and gentle in spirit. And all of those things are all the characteristics of Jesus. Church, while we wait, our job is to strive to be like the one who will bring peace. Jesus, the Messiah. See, the world is watching. While we wait... While they wait and not know it, the world is watching what we do in church. It is time for us to, yes, rise up and love. And to stand up and forgive. And to be kind to those in our inner circle because the world is watching that most of all. And I'm standing here before you today telling you that I fail at this all the time. But that's what we should strive for while we wait. While we wait for the lasting peace to arrive when Jesus returns one day, we have that inner peace with God. And that should flow out of us and toward every relationship that we have. Paul summed it up best, and this is where we'll close, in Romans 12, 18, when he says, if possible, 
so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. As far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. That should be our rallying cry while we wait, church. That should be what we strive for in our marriages. That should be what we strive for with our children, wayward or not. That should be what we strive for with our neighbors, even the ones that had way too many people during a pandemic for Thanksgiving. That's what we should do with each other in this house. That's what we should do with the world is when at all possible, as it depends on me, I choose peace. Father, it's hard for us to get our mind around and our hearts around the fact that in human history, there have only been 8% of the years, days, months, weeks, hours where we've seen peace. It is hard for us to get our minds around the fact that today there are 70 recognized armed conflicts around the world. And Father, for your people, so many of us desire harmony among all mankind. So many of the people of your church desire for the world to be a better place to live in. And as much as we strive for that and as much as we do our part, which you clearly instructed us to do, we recognize that until you come again one day, that that type of peace, harmony among humanity is elusive. And when we find it, it's usually short-lasting. And God, for those of us who cannot stand conflict, which is 100% of us, if we're real. We just confess to you that that is, that can seem very overwhelming and hopeless. But Father, today, we thank you. We thank you that you promised us that when you return again one day, that you will bring peace, that we will be at peace because we will be with you. We will be at peace because you will establish a peaceful place for eternity. We know that that day is coming, but while we wait for that, help each one of us who call ourselves Christ followers. Help all of us who are part of your church, capital C, and the one here in this community. Help us, Father, to find to remember and perhaps even reestablish the peace that we can have with you and let that overflow out of our lives with our fellow man. Help us to have it in our homes. Help us, as far as it depends on us, to live peaceably with the people who we're closest to. Help us, Father, as it depends on us, to live peaceably with those people that we work with, even the ones that drive us nuts, even our neighbors that make us so mad, even the people in our lives that we have deep, deep, differing political and maybe even life choices and lifestyles. 
Father, help us to show forgiveness and compassion and kindness and love. Because when you died on that cross, you bore with us, you bore with me, and you extended forgiveness and compassion and kindness to me and to all of us. Father, may we emulate that. May we copy that. May we put that into practice in the world around us while we wait for your return. Thank you, Father, that in you, Jesus, we can have our ultimate peace. We thank you and we give you glory for that. In your name we pray.